It was a beautiful Sabbath, wasn't it? Uh, just to let you know that I am, I am, I like Gaisley. I think I can come back again. <laughs> I, I began to, uh, in some ways, fall in love with you. And I began to know that there are good number of God's people in this country. The spirit of Wycliffe didn't die away. I was just there yesterday, just thinking about what took place many hundreds of years ago. What a challenge to stand up against the whole system of papacy. And you're just, uh, you're just uh, one man against the whole world. But I tell you, we have to have that kind of courage, commitment, and dedication to stand up in these last days. How many of you are aware of these visions regarding Mary? Do you have them here in, in this country? We have plenty in our country. And you know that many of these people who believe this, they interpret or they indicate Mary as prophetic vision from the book of Revelation chapter 12. They think the woman in Revelation chapter 12 is Mary. Tonight's lesson is on Revelation chapter 12. We are looking into the woman and the dragon. And as we study this chapter... I hope and pray that again you will see the prophetic historical heritage that we have from the apostolic church. But there's so much that we can study, but let's take step by step. Revelation chapter 12. When you study a book or a chapter in the Bible, you always want to get that big picture. You see, sometimes Bible can be quite complicated and confusing. To some people's mind, Revelation is... Over there, Ezekiel is on that side. Daniel is way back there. Revelation is way out there. All the books in the Bible are scattered. They don't know how to organize things, so they're confused. And if you ask them, 
where such and such Bible text is found, they don't know. If your house is a mess, I come to your house, may I borrow your, you don't say flashlight, you say torch, right? May I borrow your torch? And if your house is a mess, it's going to take some time for you to look for that torch, isn't it? Look through all the drawers in your closet, basement, in the attics. Yeah, well, of course, eventually you'll find it, but it's going to take some time. But if your whole house is all organized, everything is in its right place. When somebody says, can I buy your torch? Oh, yeah. You just walk a few steps, open that drawer, and get that torch. Same thing with the Bible. You must learn to organize the Bible in your mind. So, in your mind, you can say, like, for example, Genesis. You can almost go through every chapter in Genesis. And when somebody says Genesis, boom, you have a big picture. And then you have smaller picture. Then you have chapter themes. Then within the chapter, you have subdivisions. Within subdivisions, you have smaller details. So you, you have the whole Bible organized. Somebody says Ezekiel, and boom, you have a big picture. Then smaller pictures, then smaller pictures and small details. For example, book of Hebrews, chapter 7. What is book of Hebrews, chapter 7, is all about? Merkensic. So those of you who study know. So organize the Bible in your mind is very effective way to memorize the Bible. Now, when you study the book of Revelation, chapter 12, this is what I do. And this may help you. I always look for that big picture. Then, all the smaller pictures in that chapter make sense. Without the big picture, you cannot interpret small pictures. I'm sure in England you also have these things called puzzles, right? They're all broken pieces, 1,000 pieces or zigzag puzzles, right? And put those small tiny pictures together, you have to have what? The big picture. And usually the main theme is the big picture. And what makes a main theme, you must look for what repeats. If something keeps repeating once, twice, three times, four times, you know that is the main theme or the big picture. So look with me, chapter 12, verse 1. And there appear, in a, appear a great wonder in heaven, a what? Woman. Look with me, verse 4. Four. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and they cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman. Verse 6. And the what? Woman. Look with me, verse 14. And to the what? Woman. Look with me, verse 17. And the dragon was wrought with the woman. In the beginning of chapter, you see, 
woman. In the middle you see woman. At the end you see woman. This chapter is about woman. Now, but there's another wonder. Verse 3, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red, what? Dragon. Verse 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and they cast them to the earth, and the what? Dragon. Verse 7, and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the what? Dragon. Verse 9, and the great dragon, look with me, verse 13, and when the what? Dragon, verse 17, and the dragon. dragon. Ladies and gentlemen, this chapter is about the woman and the dragon. You can miss it. The woman and the dragon. Sometimes I call this the beauty and the beast. So, we must interpret the woman. And we also need to interpret the dragon. Now, just the, from the basic picture, do you think they're dating? What kind of relationships do they have? They're fighting. The dragon is after the woman to destroy her. Now, woman in Bible prophecy represents... How do you know? I, don't, I hope they don't hate me asking you those kind of questions. How do you know? Excuse me? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. The Bible says, I hope that you become chaste virgin to Christ. All right? That's one. Any, any others? Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 2. I have likened the daughters of Zion like delicate woman. Okay? How about Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25? Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. So there are many places Bible describes a woman as a church. But now look with me. She is described with these three things. The Bible says she is clothed with the... What is under her feet? And she has a crown of... Stars. What are they? Sun, moon, and stars. Sun, and sun, moon, and stars, they all do one thing in common. What is that? They give light. And there are three things. The Bible describes this church with these three things. Sun, moon, and stars. Where do you find them? Yes, but in physical world, where can you see sun, moon, and stars? In, in heaven. All right. 
So does that mean this is a heavenly UFO church? No. What kind of church is this? It's a church. It's a heavenly church, meaning they are spiritual. But there's more than that. What does sun represent? Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, Son of righteousness. Therefore, this church, this woman, is wearing something. What is that? Righteousness of who? Christ. That means she has accepted Christ as her personal Savior. See, what I'm doing, I'm building up a case. I like that word. A legal word. I want to identify who this church is. Same time, I want to make sure if I need to be part of this church. Because there's another woman in Revelation, in the book of Revelation. And we're going to study about her in a few minutes. So this woman is wearing what? Sun. And sun represents righteousness. My next question is, can you guess? Well, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But what is righteousness? Right doing. Very good. Probably Webster definition. But from the Bible, what is righteousness? Turn your Bibles with me to Psalms 119 and 172. No, that's 142. Psalms 119 and 172. What is righteousness? What does the Bible say? All thy commandments are what? Righteousness. So from the Bible, it is so clear that what is righteousness? Commandments. So watch this. The woman, church, wearing son, meaning righteousness. That means she has accepted Christ. But at the same time, righteousness is what? Commandment. Therefore, she is commandment-keeping church. Isn't that right? But let's go a little deeper, shall we? What is the foundation of God's law? Romans chapter 13, verse 10 says what? Romans 13 and verse 10. Love is a fulfilling of the what? Law. So, she is wearing righteousness, meaning she obeys God's commandment, but she also what? Love. Because the foundation of God's commandment is what? Love. That's right. So she's obedient church, but at the same time, she's a loving church. A good balance, isn't it? 
But let's go, make a, let's make a, a full circle here. Turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 23. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 23. The Bible says, For the commandment is what? A lamp. And the law is? Light. Full circle. So we know that God's church is a commandment-keeping church. And the Bible says, she is standing on a what? Moon. What does that moon represent? By the way, does the moon have its own light? No. It only reflects the sun, right? What do you call it in spiritual way you, when you reflect something? A mirror. When you reflect something, what are you doing? You're witnessing. And the moon shines what part of the day? Nighttime. So, Spiritually speaking, God's church shines light when it's dark. It's no good to shine light when it's bright. But God's church, they know how to give the message when there's spiritual darkness. But how do you do that? Well, turn your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 89. If you are my student, you have tests tomorrow morning. <laughs> and give me all these Bible texts without your Bible. How many of you, how many of you like to attend my class? <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I'm a tough teacher. <laughs> Psalms 89, verse 37, the Bible says... It shall be established forever as the what? Moon. And as a what? Faithful witness in heaven. So moon represents what? Faithful witness. Do you have a dog? How many of you have a dog in your house? Oh, I see. You know, American people, they like dogs. Oh, English people like dogs too. What kind of dog is a faithful dog? Only barks in the daytime and when the master's, master is round? What kind of dog is a faithful dog? A dog that barks night and day. So what kind of, what kind of church is faithful, faithful church? Not only preach in the daytime, but they also preach at nighttime. Uh, turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 5. Let me show you something. If you notice, all these Bible texts are connected. 
one after another. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 5, the Bible says, A faithful witness will not do something. What is that? Lie. Faithful witness will not do something. He will not lie. How can you lie as a Christian? Turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, He that says, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a what? Liar. Liar. But this church is a faithful witness, and faithful witness will not lie. That means they say they know God, and they also what? Keep God's commandments. It's repetition, isn't it? She's wearing the sun. Not only she wears it, but she also witnesses it. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. The Bible says, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a what? Liar. Liar. Faithful, witness, faithful witness will not what? Lie. That means they love God and they love their what? Fellow man. Another repetition, isn't it? Remember, she's wearing the sun, righteousness, commandment, and love. She is faithful witness, and she will not lie. She, give, she keeps God's commandment, and she loves her brothers and sisters. How about the stars? What do the stars represent? Hmm? Stars. What those stars represent? Now, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, seven stars are seven angels. That's right. And angels, in Greek language, it really means what? Messenger. So stars represent messengers. Turn your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 14. The Bible says, And my temptation which was, was in my flesh, he despised not, nor rejected, but received me. Who said me? Apostle Paul. Was he a messenger of God? Yes. But received me as in what? Angel of God. So when the Bible says stars, means angel, meaning messengers of God. Now, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. 
the Bible says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to what? They that turn many to where? Or what? Righteousness as the what? Stars forever ever. So, who are the stars? Those that turn many to what? Righteousness. What is she wearing? Righteousness. What is her work? Lead other people to what? Righteousness. That is the correct picture of God's church. Are you part of this church of God? Today, we have many stars. We have movie stars. We have rock stars. We have sports stars. But let me tell you, these are falling stars. But when you become messengers of God, you become shining star forever and ever. Our young people need to know this. And stop the foolishness of the world. But why does the Bible say 12 stars? First of all, it says crown of 12 stars, right? Crown meaning... Where do, you put the, where do you usually put the crown? Very top. Meaning, leader. Twelve leaders, messengers, or apostles. Who are they? Twelve apostles of Jesus Christ. You see, that picture, it can belong to the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, twelve tribes of Israel. But for the New Testament, 12 apostles of Christ Jesus. So that's a picture of God's church. Now how about the other, another woman? Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. And verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed, how? In purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. Notice, there are two women in the book of Revelation. One is described with sun, moon, and stars. Another one, beast, gold, and wine, and purple and scarlet. Let me ask you something. Where do you find beast and gold and precious stones? In this world. Where do you find sun, moon, and stars? It's totally opposite. That's right. But on top of that, what is more interesting, if you look with me, 
what she's wearing. The Bible says she is wearing with purple scarlet color and that with gold and precious stones. Do you know anybody else in the Bible wears similar color? Who? The high priest. Turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 39. Exodus chapter 39 and verse 1. The Bible says, And of the blue and purple and scarlet they made clothes of service to do service in the holy place, and made the holy garments for Aaron, and the Lord commanded Moses. And he made ephod of gold, blue and purple, scarlet, and fine twin linen. And you know that that the high priest had breast, breastplate, and in that had 12 precious stones. So, the description of the clothing for the high priest is similar to the description of what that woman is wearing in Revelation chapter 17. But only one thing is different. She's not wearing any Blue. Now, what does purple represent? Royalty, right? How about scarlet or red? Sacrifice or blood or death. How about blue? The commandments of God or obedience. That woman in Revelation chapter 17, she dressed up like the high priest, but she's not obedient church. Literally speaking, does that church dress up like a high priest? And act like a high priest? And to forgive sin? And intercede for man? Yes. You see, yes, no white, no righteousness, no purity. That's right, that's a good point. Another thing, if you look at very closely here, is that the clothing for the high priest, it belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus earned gold. Gold represents faith. And Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus earned scarlet, red. Why? Because he died for us. He earned color blue. Why? Because of obedience. If you mix red and blood, I mean red and blue, what color would you get? Oh. What color? If you want to be part of the royal priesthood, you have to have two things. You have to have sacrifice and obedience. Mixed together, 
you have purple. Jesus, he earned the color purple because he obeyed and he died. When you resurrected, he became our high priest. When he comes back, he is our king of kings. Isn't that interesting? I tell you, there's a lot more in the Bible that we have not yet discovered. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 12, shall we? So it is clear from the Bible there are two women. One is obedient, other one is disobedient. Now let us study something about the dragon. Verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. You know, some people read this, and they have their own private interpretation. And they don't go to the scripture to find out what that means. But they imagine on their, in their own imagination and they go something like this. They say, well, dragon. Oh, wait a minute. In China, they have so many images of dragon. So this, may, this dragon may represent China. And the Bible says great dragon. In China, they have the, the greatest population. And they have the Great Wall of China. You know the Wall of China? The ancient Wall of China? You know how long that is? It's from Washington, D.C. to all the way to California. The Great Wall of China. But the Bible said, it's a what? Great Red Dragon. Red? Oh, wait a minute. Chinese flag. It's color red. So this great red dragon has to be communism. Foolishness. You don't interpret the Bible like that. You let the Bible interpret for itself. The Bible says what? Verse 9. And the great red, the, and the great dragon was what? Cast out. That old serpent called the devil. And who is it? Satan. Satan. So who is that great dragon? Satan. Satan, that's right. He has three names. What are those three names? Dragon, Satan. old serpent, and devil. Satan means accuser. And he has, why does he have three names? First name, last name, middle name? I mean, why three names? How many descriptions does that woman have? Has three. Very interesting. Why dragon? Why serpent? Why devil? You see, the woman's weapon is sun, moon, and stars. Dragon's weapon is, or Satan's weapon is dragon, serpent, and a devil. When the Bible says dragon, it represents persecuting power of Satan. Let me show you in verse 13. 
The Bible says, same chapter, verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was cast onto the earth, he what? Persecuted the woman. So now you understand, when the Bible describes, or when the Bible mentions dragon, it means persecution. Then you understand, when the Bible says, the lamb like a beast will speak as what? Dragon, that means he will someday what? He will someday persecute. And the Bible also says, Satan has another name, serpent. What do you know about a serpent? Deception. So serpent represents the deceptive power of Satan. How about devil? When you study the Bible, many times the Bible says Jesus had to cast out demons or devil. Devil in the Bible, many times it possesses the people. So, Satan has three weapons. Persecuting power, deceptive power, possessing power. And he goes back and forth. First, he will deceive you with his flattery, with his doubts. And if you don't fall into that, he'll persecute you. If, that's, if, the, if the persecution doesn't work, then he will deceive you. If that doesn't work, he will try to possess you. Three ways to get you to commit sin. But you know, when I mention possession, you're probably thinking, oh, demon possession, right? There is possession that is more dangerous than demon possession. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And verse 17, uh, verse 17. John 6 and verse 17. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is what? Who is he speaking of? He's speaking of who? Judas. Jesus called Judas what? Devil. Was Judas demon-possessed? Not the ways that we know as demon-possession. But was he demon-possessed? In some ways, he was. Demon-controlled. So, Satan somehow possessed Judas to do what? Look at verse 71. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should, what's the next word? Betray him, being one of the twelve. So Satan, he will persecute you, he will deceive you, and he will also what? Betray you. 
And but what's, what's very in interesting, if you go to John chapter 17, look at this. John 17 and verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of whom? Perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Who is that son of perdition? Judas is called the son of perdition, who betrayed Jesus Christ, who was controlled by a demon. And now notice in the Bible, turn your Bibles with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. Second Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse 3. The Bible says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. The son of what? Perdition. Perdition. Who is that man of sin? Papacy is called the son of what? Perdition. Who else in the Bible was called son of perdition? Judas. If they had, if they have any apostolic linkage, it's not Peter. It's Judas. Their first pope was not Peter. Spiritually speaking, it was Judas. Who is going to betray God's people at the end of time? So Satan has three powers to attack God's church. Persecution, deception, false doctrine, false theory, false ideas, worldliness. If these things doesn't work, he will get those worldly church members in God's church. Deceive them, possess them, control them, use them to betray his brothers and sisters. Will Satan use all his weapons at the end of time? You better believe it. I can show you from the Bible. In Matthew chapter 24. Turn your Bibles with me. To Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, look with me and verse, watch this, verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Which power is working? Dragon, serpent, or the devil? Uh, devil. Which power is working? Dragon is working. They shall kill you. Persecution. Right after that, verse 10, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Which power was working? Devil. 
the very next text, verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Which powers? So the dragon, devil, serpent, they're all going to work at the end of time. Again, too. Next text. Verse 12, what's going to happen? And because iniquity shall abound, the love of what? Many shall wax cold. Now, the opposite, the opposite word for iniquity, righteousness and commandment keeping. Opposite of having your love waxing cold, it should be what? Do you remember the woman? She's wearing what? Son, which is what? Righteousness, which is commandment. Keeping and also love. Did you know that book of Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is miniature size of book of Revelation? Now watch this. On top of that, in verse 13, watch this. But he that shall what? Endure. Give me another word for endure. Endure. Last or patience. Then the Bible says, here are the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep God's commandment and have what? Faith of Jesus. And you know Galatians chapter 5 verse 4 uh, or 5 verse 6 says what? Faith works by love. So God's church, what we have to have a good balance between obedience and love. And sometimes when we emphasize so much on obedience, we forget to love. And when we sometimes so much emphasize on love, we forget to obey. But God's people will be balanced people. And the Bible says, watch this, and verse 14. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Are you with me? When the gospel go with power, when you endure. But and the Bible says, preach in all the world for a what? Witness. Witness. What is that? <laughs> Woman, what is that? She's standing on the moon. She's faithful witness. So we're seeing Revelation chapter 12 in these few texts. The next text, look at this. Verse 15. When he therefore shall see abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, who so read it, so let him understand. Now abomination, desolation... At the end of time, it is referring to what? Abomination desolation. It is referring to National Sunday Law. The mark of the beast. After Revelation chapter 12, what do you have? Chapter 13, you have the mark of the beast issue coming up. And chapter 14, you have everlasting gospel going forth. It's all in there. Then what's the conclusion? Look with me. 
Revelation chapter. Now, before we go there, I want you to know something here. Matthew 24 and verse 13. But he that shall endure. Endure what? Endure iniquity being abound. Endure when love of many shall wax cold. Endure to fight against it. When people are so, so disobedient, you're obedient. When people are so cold in love, you are loving and hot. That's how you endure. But it's going to be incredibly hard to endure in these last days. Why? Because many, the Bible says, they shall walk after iniquity. Many shall be deceived. Many shall commit sin. You see, we are, we follow people. Did you know that? We are just like those lambs or sheep. If one sheep jump off the cliff, the rest of sheep will follow without even asking questions. Let's say you're sitting down in front of your porch. Do you have a porch here? Porch. Not really, right? Just door, right? Let's say you're sitting outside of your house reading your newspaper. And suddenly, here's a person running. Foom! And you go, hmm. Five minutes later, now two people are running. Foom! You go, hmm. Keep reading your newspaper. You see now, five people running. And you go, hmm. What's going on? I said, oh. Five minutes later, you see 15 people running. All running. And you go, what's going on? Five minutes later, you see 100 people running. Whoa. What are you going to do? You're going to run with them. <laughs> We like to do what people are doing, right? That's where you have the remnant concept. You're a minority, but you have to stand faithful to God. And it's not going to be easy. And let me tell you, turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 12. And verse 17. The Bible says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the what? Testimony of Jesus Christ. The remnant church has something. What is that? 
not only commandments of God, but she also has what? Testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, what is that testimony of Jesus Christ? The spirit of what? Prophecy. What does that mean? When a non-Adventist asks you, what does that mean, testimony of Jesus Christ? You say spirit prophecy. Which Bible text are you going to use? Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, right? Then we're going to go. So, so you say, okay, uh, the, the, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And then what? What are you going to say? Huh? Okay, you quote Revelation 22.9. You see, many times we quote that and we say that means Ellen White. But you cannot jump from that point to that conclusion. You cannot. What are you going to say? You're going to show the Ellen White books. It says, Spirit of Prophecy. <laughs> See, that proves it, you know. <laughs> you cannot do that. Testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. You can see that. You can show that clearly from the Bible. But where do you connect from that point with Ellen White being a prophet? The connection is: look with me, verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See, thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. Notice. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy what? Brethren. Listen carefully. That have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Please tell me from the Bible, not your opinion, who has the testimony of Jesus Christ? What does the Bible say? Brethren. And fellow servant. Who has it? Brethren. And fellow servants. Who are these brethren and fellow servants? Who are they? You go to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 9. Revelation chapter 22 verse 9. The Bible says, Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren. What's the next word? The prophets. So who has the testimony of Jesus? The brother and the fellow servant, who are they? Prophets. So tell me, who has a spirit of prophecy? Prophets. Now tell me then, can you have a testimony of Jesus Christ without having a prophet? No. So when the Bible says, remnant church, they have, this, they have the testimony of Jesus Christ, that means they have to have what? Prophet. That's how you show that the remnant church will have a gift of a prophet. So the Roman church has two characteristics. What are they? Law of God and prophet. Jesus said, I am not come to destroy law and prophet, but to fulfill them. Do you know that they go together? If you reject the prophet, you reject the law of God. If you reject the law of God, you reject the prophet. Turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 30. 
Isaiah chapter 30. And verse 10. Look at this. Now let's read from verse 8. Now go, write it before them in a table. Note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come, forever and ever. So what God is about to show Isaiah is not for his time, but time to come. That means this is a prophecy. That means this will come in the future. And the Bible says, verse 9, that this is a, what kind of people? Rebellious people, lying children, children that will not what? Hear the law of the Lord. Verse 10, which say to the what? Seers, see not. And to the prophets, what? Prophesize not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceit. So when you reject the law of God, you also reject the prophet. You know, some people today, we don't need writings of Ellen G. White. That was for a long time ago. As long as we keep God's commandment, everything's okay. Guess what? If you reject the prophet, I guarantee you break God's commandment. Because they go together. And the Bible says... Turn your Bibles back to Revelation chapter 12 again. And verse 17, the dragon was wroth with the woman. The Bible said dragon, and dragon represented again, what is it? Persecution. That means at the end of time, Satan will persecute God's people. Now who is that dragon? Do you remember in verse uh, 4? Look at this. And his tail drew the third parts of the stars of heaven, and they cast them to the earth. Watch this. And the dragon stood before the what? Woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Who's that child? Jesus. Did Satan try to kill Jesus? When he was born. Yes. Oh, by the way, before we go into that, that woman represents who? Not Mary. That woman represents church, not Mary. It is true that Mary is one that conceived our Lord. But when the Bible says, she was about to deliver a child. That means the church is about to deliver a child. Because Jesus Christ is a seed of who? David or Abraham. That's why. Anyhow, so Satan did try to destroy Jesus when he was born. Through who? Herod. Through Roman Empire. So Satan always worked through another means, a political medium, so to speak. Then tell me, verse 17, And the dragon was wroth, which, now, in that verse, that dragon, what power is that? 
is another, another political power. But what power is that? The United States of America. Because in chapter 13, the Bible says, Lamb, like a beast, will speak as what? Dragon. But of course, all other nations will follow America. And they will do the perse persecuting as well upon God's people. But the Bible says Satan will persecute who? Not everybody. Not all Christians. Not all Seventh-day Adventists. But those who are keeping God's commitment and holding on to the spirit of prophecy. Satan is trying to aim. You know this gun with binocular? Telescope? What do you call it? Yeah, telescope. He's trying to aim. He's trying to find the right ones to kill. But he will not bother sin-loving Seventh-day Adventists. But he wants to bother the faithful ones. But let me tell you something. Satan, he, of course, he wants to cut your life. But before Satan cut your life, Satan wants to deceive you, persecute you, betray you, so that you might commit sin. If you die in Christ, it is no gain for Satan. Because you will be resurrected and go to heaven. But if Satan can deceive you and cause you to sin and die, he got you in hell. So he is trying to get the right kind of people to destroy. And what if, if Satan is aiming at you today? Well, he will say, Oh, look at this elder. Look what he's eating. Look what he's talking about. Look what he's thinking. He's one of, one of us. I don't need to bother him. Let's go to the next one. Maybe the pastors will be, uh, they will be more faithful. So he's aiming at the pastors. Perhaps they're the same. So you might cause Satan to go out of job. No one to kill. No one to aim, to destroy. Because there's so many unfaithful people in God's church. But I tell you, the Bible says, there will be a remnant. I was over in Malaysia. And I was doing eight nights meetings for uh, Non-Seventh-day Adventist. First night we had about 90 people. At the end we had, we had about 175 people. More than half of them were seven, uh, more than half of them were non-Adventist. And one night I was about to preach on Daniel chapter 2. And I walked in and I saw a lady. She was sitting kind towards front. And she looked disturbed. Something was bothering her. 
I knew, I mean, I knew this lady, and we conversed before, and she talked with us regarding her trouble with evil spirits trying to bother her. Trying to perhaps possess her. So when I saw her, and she had her head down like this. I said, uh-oh, she's in trouble. And I said, I hope she, doesn't, she does not get possessed by a demon during my meeting because it will distract the people's attention. So anyhow, I pray God that he will take care, and I began to preach. That lady, she got up, and she went out. And other people knew about her, went after her. So it was like, I guess about this big, maybe smaller auditorium. And I was preaching to the people, but she was in the other room. Then as I began to preach, I began to hear, hear screaming sound. I didn't want my audience to hear that. So I was trying to compete with the volume of that scream. So as she was screaming, I was preaching louder. <laughs> so nobody can hear what she was, you know, screaming all about. But that went on for a while. Then later I, I was, um, I learned that they took her to another room because she was making too much noise. So praise God, the meeting went well, the people were blessed, and people would just keep coming in the next day. And, but that day, a lady came up to me and says, Brother Gregory, please come and help us. She's in trouble. I said, all right, let me go and pray first. So I got with my brothers and sisters, and I prayed with them again, even though that morning I consecrated my life to God, but once again, I had to consecrate my life once more. And empty myself and confess my sin once again. Make the, the proper preparation for my heart and for my soul. And have again reassurance and confidence in God. With that thought, I went into that room, and from outside, uh, people say you can hear winds blowing, and lights were turned dim, and I walked in, and there she was on the floor, on the carpet floor. Her elbows, her knees were all how can I say, bruised, because she was struggling with the demon. And people were there, Seventh-day Adventist people. They're all praying for her. But the demon will not come out. And I went there, and my friend says, Oh, Brother Peter, please pray. So I began to pray. When I began to pray, 
the scream will come out. I mean, it was, I don't even want to imitate. It was, you know, you know the scream. And then a thought came to me. I think the people around me, they need to confess their sin. So I turned around and says, People, confess all your sins. And this lady, who was possessed with demon, she turned around, almost man's voice. Why do you pray? What would you do? She says, demon said, why do you pray? Don't pray. Why do you confess? Don't confess. Because some of these people are already mine. The, the people around me, these are adults. And when I heard that, I looked at them. Confess all your sins. And these people, they cry like a little child. And they're just crying and crying and they're just confessing their sins. They were, they were scared. And right behind me was backslidden Seventh-day Adventist pastor who got into forward doctrine. Dr. Ford Doctrine. He's out of the church. But he was right behind me. I tell you. I say, by the power of God, we are living in a time of investigative judgment. When I mention investigative judgment, the demon screamed. And as the people were confessing their sin, those confessions were as though it was a sharp knife going through demon's body. It was painful to the demon. And after all that preparation, then again we pray. And finally, the demon came out. Amen. Next day, she came to my Bible study. She was fine. I tell you, it's no joke. That's not, the only, that's not the only time that I had incidents with that kind of things. In India, there are plenty. I have stories that make your hair rise up. Do you have things like this here in India? But I tell you, that experience told me that we must be right with God. If we are going to be the part of that church and part of that woman, we've got to do one thing. We must die to self, surrender our lives, and be clothed with the righteousness of Christ.
this one happened, it didn't happen to me, but someone else told me uh, it happened to a Baptist church members. They went to this one person's house to, to, to cast out demon from this one, one particular lady. When they went there, the demon said to them, what are you doing here? Pointing at to one lady, I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what you did last They had no power. We pray that as we are coming closer to the end of time, I know Satan will use all his 6,000 years of learning of deception and persecution and betraying power to attack you and I by praying that we will put on the armor of God righteousness, the faithful witness, and become messengers of God. Would you like that? We need that in England to shake this island with power of God. May God help us that soon we shall hear the trumpet will sound and we shall go home with Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Gracious Heavenly Father, if we examine our lives tonight, I'm sure that none of us come close to the picture of thy church in Revelation chapter 12. Pure and beautiful, faithful and strong, O oh God, in our weaknesses, in our mistakes, and in our shortcomings, help us, O oh God, that we may stand in righteousness to put on the armor of God. with faith and love and obedience that we shall overcome in these last days. Father, you know that Satan is working all he can to deceive so many people, to destroy so many lives. Help us to be awakened to this great controversy that we will never fall asleep but awaken, watching and praying till you come. Help us, O oh Lord, to have the zeal not, not only to know this for ourselves but to share with others. Thank you, Father. May you give us rest in body, mind, and soul. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.